We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and the Eurostep Podcast Network. I am Ty Windish. I am joined as always by my just lovely co-host Rohan Kadi, and both of us were joined by fellow Blue Wire podcaster Matt Brooks, host of the Clear Out podcast dedicated to covering the Brooklyn Nets. We wanted to preview the season series and the game, opening night, ring night, as I reminded Matt, is that's what it's called for the Bucks. Uh, although Matt was very cool, so I didn't, didn't need to give him that crap, but I did. But uh, we dove into these teams, their changes, how they match up, and just really had a, a fun, enjoyable conversation. So check this out and make sure to follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Brooks NBA. Subscribe to the Clear Out wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you know, I, I know you don't always want to hear net stuff, maybe as a Bucks fan, but trust me, this is this is good content. Matt enjoys the Bucks and Giannis, so go check it out and enjoy this conversation. All right, everybody, welcome to the official crossover episode of the Eurostep podcast and the Clear Out podcast here today to preview the upcoming Brooklyn Nets Milwaukee Bucks opener to the NBA season. I'm joined by the two co-hosts of the Eurostep podcast. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Good. Very good. Excited to be here. Excited for what we know as ring night, what what everyone else knows as the opening to the NBA season. I'm excited to be insufferable about that because I'm a little worried about how this game is going to go with the Bucks injury report, but uh, excited to podcast. And thanks, uh, thanks for putting this together, Matt. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, thank you guys for joining me. And yeah, and speaking of injury reports, like uh, there's there's a certain somebody missing on on the net side of things that, you know, like Rodney Hood, Kyrie Irving. I'm, I'm not sure what's, <laughs> what's bigger loss. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think a good place to start is kind of like I, I want to talk a little bit about the like the overviews of like what these two teams did in the offseason and like. Uh, for me, like, uh, let's start with the Bucks because I've talked enough about the Nets. I've, I've done so many podcasts about 
oh, what does Paul Millsap look like? Ugh. So I want to hear about kind of like what you guys think of the offseason that the Milwaukee had. Uh, well, we went into this offseason like we did a whole free agent, like live free agency show. And we were we were a little underwhelmed at first because there was nothing like big. Obviously, there was the P.J. Tucker's news about him leaving, going to Miami. And then you're like, oh, man, he actually wanted to stay. And then you just get mad at ownership and all that sort of stuff. Bobby Portis is resigned, obviously, which is which is great news. We wanted uh, both of those to resign. We got Bobby. So that was great. Then uh, then we got like. Who was the next signing, Ty? It was Shemi, right? Shemi, usually. Yeah, after the next signing. I proposed him as a name left on the live pod. This is near the end of the four-hour live pod, so we're all a little little, uh, just disorganized. Rohan is, like, (laughs) on the border of cussing me out for even suggesting it. And 10 minutes after we sign off the pod, it breaks that they signed Shemi. <laughs> He's since come around a little. But go on, Rohan. I had to had to set the record straight on that one. It was uh, very unfortunate timing. Uh, we were wondering who they're going to use their mid-level exception on because I, one of the big news about Bobby Portis is that he did not sign for the mid-level. He signed for his uh, extension, which is like 120% of what his previous contract was. It's weird. So they still have their mid-level exception to use. We're like, oh, who's it going to be? Patty Mills, we were really hoping for. Oh, he goes to Brooklyn. Uh, Is it going to be like some guy like maybe Paul Millsap? Oh, he goes to Brooklyn. Uh, It's just a a lot of stuff like that. And we're just like, okay, what's going to happen? Then the George Hill news comes through. He gets waived by the 76ers, which was pretty obvious because he had a, a partial guarantee on his contract. Uh, that he got from the Bucks because he was there two seasons ago. Mm. We were really excited about that because one of the main struggles that Milwaukee had later in the postseason last year was they had to play a lot of Jeff Teague minutes just <laughs> out of pure necessity because he was the only competent or really the only backup point guard on the roster. Uh, so upgrading from George Hill, uh, upgrading to George Hill from Jeff Teague, we were very, very excited about later in the offseason. We get the Grayson Allen trade, who's very uh, newsworthy because he just got extended today, two years up to 20 million. What do you guys uh, think of that? Sorry to cut you off, but what do you, th- no, what do you think of that that, uh, that extension? We're, we're feeling pretty good about it. Uh, we were thinking he's going to be, we were actually thinking it's going to be a little bit of a competition this season between him and Dante DiVincenzo because they were both yep. up for extensions. Uh, my thinking was that only one of them was, or neither of them were going to get extended and that uh, one of them was going to be on the team next year. Uh, it was sort of like a competition between the two because Dante, even though he's proven like a decent bit in his time, it's just he's been so injured. He's still injured. We have no idea what's going on. No timeline has been given. And so we were really excited about Grayson. In preseason, he looked great, but also it's preseason. You can't really take a whole lot from that. So getting this news of the extension was a little surprising. I was very surprised. It was. Uh, it could end up being a bargain deal if he performs really well. He's a good fifth starter. Uh, if it doesn't pan out, uh, Ty, you, you were talking about this earlier. It's just, uh, it's tradable, right, Ty? Yeah, it is. And I think, you know, if it were not, were it not for Dante's injury history and that, like this is, this one that happened in the playoffs was the third time he's missed significant time with a foot or ankle injury, once at Nova, once in his rookie year, and then obviously missed everything but the sweep of the Miami Heat in the first round last year, which, was the reason Jeff Teague is playing against Brooklyn and and Atlanta and Phoenix. So I I think if if it were not for the injury history, you could pretty much say Dante is kind of the defensive plus 
Grayson is the offensive option. As much as the Bucks have tried to make Dante a combo guard, the shooting hasn't really been there. The ball handling is a little iffy. And there's this thing out there on Twitter that he's a really good finisher, I think, because he's bouncy. He's not that bouncy attacking the rim, and he's like a notoriously problematic finisher. Like every mm. Dante drive to the rim is an absolute journey. So Grayson offers a lot more offensively. Dante, when he's out there, offers more defensively. But I think even if the Grayson fit isn't as as good as I think it is, I'm very excited about him kind of unlocking some offense for that Bucks group that really needed offense more than defense. If you look at the other four guys, I think, especially spacing, offensive spacing. Um, even if it doesn't work out, I mean, we've seen horse pivot out of these bad deals before. I mean, by the deadline, the DJ Augustine contract seemed like absolute terrible, like it was going to cost them for years. It was bad in the moment. I got to tell you, what did they say? I liked it. I liked it in the moment. The second it happened, I was like, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't know about that. (laughs) It it aged even worse than I think your your first thought on it was. But that that flips um, plus DJ Wilson for PJ Tucker. And basically they flip a, a first, a late first, I think like the third or so last pick in the first round yeah. for the first pick in the second round, which is almost better for the Bucks given um, the Stepien rule con- um, considerations and um, salary slot, although they ended up trading that pick too. But I, I just think it's not going to be a big issue even if it doesn't work out perfectly. Yeah. And if it does work out perfectly, then it will probably be a discount because it's just pretty rare for you know a good starter on a very good team to not get the bag from somewhere. It just always happens. So I was actually a pretty big fan of that deal, and I love the trade when it happened. I mean, Sam Merrill scoring 30 in a preseason game aside, I think uh, the 60th pick from a year ago in a couple seconds for a guy who's going to be a starter is always going to be a pretty solid deal. Yeah, I love that deal when it happened. I, I, it's funny. I kind of liked a lot of what uh, Milwaukee did this offseason. Like, in a way, like it, it wasn't like the flashy, like, this team just won a title and they're going to follow it up by signing Rodney hood and semi Ojale. like on paper. That's not really like what you expect, I guess, from a team defending a title, but I really thought about it. I like the Rodney hood deal. What it happened. He's already hurt. And we'll see yeah. if like, we'll, we'll just see. It's really a question of, can he get out there again? You know, kind of like the Otto Porter deal in, in, in golden state. Um, so he's, he's a mix, but even like semi, I, kind of like him as just another body. Like as we kind of talk about this, this Nets matchup, like I think that's another guy you can throw out there and just like cause havoc, be just in the way and, and, and or just be a, a couple of fouls. Really. Yeah. I mean, I'm honestly, just, they, they need someone to just like deter Kevin Durant. No one can yeah. stop Kevin Durant, but like, can you stand in front of him and get your body into him and at least like maybe piss him off a little bit? Like, yeah, that's pretty much do that. That, that's what they did last time, and it worked. I mean, you got to get physical, I think, with KD. It, well enough. It worked well enough. It, 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 he made every shot except for, like, the very last one of the series, and that's all you can hope for if you're playing against Kevin Durant. He was gassed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. part of it was they were playing, like, every minute of every game. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. They they made it tough. Like, it's funny. I'm already spoiling it a little bit. I didn't hate the Gnosis on KD in the preseason. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's where we're starting, by the way. We were, what, like nine minutes into this podcast, and the first name I mentioned on the books is Thanasis. <laughs> I haven't said anything about Giannis yet, but Thanasis. This is, is... right up Rohan's alley. <laughs> oh, this is music to my ears. It's... You look pretty good. He, he, look pretty he looks good. all right. He looks, he looks, he looks pretty good. passable. 
passable look, is what I'll say. I wasn't sure because like you lose PJ and I was, I don't know. I just was like, I don't know what it's going to look like. I guess Giannis could have to take that on, which I think is a nice segue into matchups and everything like that. But um, I didn't hate it. I'm like, all right, throw a couple of minutes of Thanasis at KD. It's not going as poorly as I thought it did, or I thought it would go. But um, yeah, I, I let's talk about matchups, like how the Bucks are going to, get a matchup with the Nets. What, what do you guys kind of see going on? Cause I actually think it's way more simple this year. Um, well, for, I guess first I want to just like, not to dodge the question. I want to get to it. Who do you think is going to start for the Nets? Cause obviously Brooklyn had an interesting off season. I really like the Patty Mills thing. I didn't love like Millsap or Aldridge. And I mm. do think like, I, I think Millsap is more of a five now. So I was looking at this today because there's like some over unders out there or like conference rankings that had the nets like very low. And it's like, well, they're probably going to be without some guys and they're not going to try. And I was like basically doing a lineup without KD with Harden to be like, look, like their, their random vets and Harden is like a hella good lineup. Like they're not going to yeah. be fifth in the East. Like they're still going to, it's James Harden. They're still going to be really good, but I was having trouble with like the four. Right. So it's like Mills, Harden, Harris. And then when KD is healthy, it'll be KD. And I assume Blake, or is maybe is Bruce Brown in there? Like, uh, so that was my question. Like, I, I I think I guess that would probably be what I assume is the starters. And I haven't watched too much Brooklyn. I missed the one Nets Bucks game. But are we assuming it's going to be is is Patty starting or is Bruce Brown starting? Uh, you probably go. So your starters. The weird thing about losing Kyrie, which I also we have not even mentioned that we I've not, I, I really wanna, buried I don't the lady. Do too much. I mean, everyone. I think oh, everyone please, has heard everything. No. No, please, please not. Yeah. Please yeah. not. I can't do another second of it. I'm sorry. There. He's not there. He's not That's there. I need to know. I, I have no interest in, and in, if I cannot say Kyrie Irving's name for the next eight months until he plays basketball again, I'm very, very excited to do that on this podcast. That's I've got nothing else. Um, But the nice part about not having he who shall not be named in the lineup is that um, you have two guys that I think were starter caliber, depending upon the lineup or really depending upon the opponent uh, in Joe Harris and Bruce Brown, and you can start both those guys now. So now you're going to go James Harden, uh, let's say Joe Harris at the two, uh, Bruce Brown at the three, KD at the four, probably Blake at the five, especially because I think they like Blake out there as a guy that you could throw at Giannis. He'll do an okay job. He'll also just be a guy that can take charges, which is like huge for them just to make Giannis think twice about going into the paint. Ultimately, it won't matter because I bet you after a summer of, of just kind of decompressing, uh, Giannis will be very prepared for Blake Griffin. I'm just going to put that out there. I don't know yeah. if it's going to go as swimmingly as it did in certain spots last year, but I think that's probably the lineup you're going with. Yeah, so I, I mean, unless Rohan, you want to take a first stab, but I think we would see Giannis starting on KD against that group. Ooh. That's starting. I don't think he's going to do it all game, but – I mean, Lopez on Blake, I think, is pretty pretty obvious. Um, it, it's one, again, where if they if they were still starting P.J. Tucker, it would make a lot of sense to do Giannis on Bruce Brown and let him roam. But I think you're going to want Grayson on Bruce Brown, Drew on Harden. And they love Chris on shooters. So I think Chris on Joe Harris is going to be the move. Like Chris, I think, in some circumstances, has regressed a little bit as a defender, just with the like when he first popped out and when basketball nerds started to love him, he was like a true three and D guy. Now yeah. he has more offensive responsibility. And when you get that, it's really hard to have the same energy on defense every play. So they'll use him on KD from time to time, but I bet they start with him on Harris because like 
he gets Harris, he gets Duncan Robinson. Like he's good at sticking with those guys defensively. So then you're kind of left with Giannis on KD, at least for the beginning. Although I wouldn't be surprised if we get a defensive sub. Like this is where I think the Bucks have <clears throat> talked a lot about Shemi Ojale. I think he would get some burn at that. I think they would do Giannis at the five and let him quote unquote cover Blake or Bruce Brown and, and mess with that as a second unit. But without him, um, I, we probably will see something Asis on KD again. What are your thoughts, Rohan? Do you agree? I mean, yeah, I think I agree. We're going to see a lot of Giannis on KD to start. But what we saw last year is that the Bucks like to do everything by committee. So yeah. you're just going to you're going to be switching matchups all the time. Giannis is going to have time on him. Drew's going to have time on him. Chris is going to have time on him. We talked about this uh, during the series last year. You just have to give him different looks because if you just give him the same look every time, he's going to yep. murder you. I mean, he's going to murder you anyway, but she's going <laughs> to, yeah, you know, like it's going to be less intense of a murder. But you're, you're trying to make him shoot like 45% to get to 28 points instead of shooting like 65%. <laughs> like that's really exactly. I mean, after that series, I don't think there's, you could find more people, but you don't think you could find people with more respect for what KD can do than Bucks fans. Cause I think we're all like the highlights from the series are going around again uh, in advance of this game. And you would expect maybe it's like some gloating. Every Bucks fan is like, I was shitting my pants the whole time. I can't yeah. believe they won that series. I still can't believe broke they won me. that series. Broke me. It, I think it broke all of us a little bit. So, so that's what I think. But I agree with Rohan. That's a great point. Like, I think they're going to throw all the defenders they can at KD, at least all the ones that they trust, just because I do think that was kind of key in tiring him out was like giving him all these different looks like someone like they don't have the most physical guy, which would be PJ. So it wouldn't shock me if Drew even I don't know if you mentioned that Rohan Drew might get a couple shifts too because he's probably he is their most physical on ball defender this year, certainly. Yeah, the problem with Shemi is just, I don't know, like we were just talking about him like we're assuming he's going to be good. And that's just my issue is that we, we don't know that. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we haven't seen it yet. Like he wasn't yeah. great in his time with Boston. He was good in certain situations. I think a lot of Bucks fans have just uh, taken this idea of Shemi Ojale being a great defender in the sense that Boston, whenever they played Milwaukee, like Brad Stevens would always just throw it's on his Wikipedia at, at page. Giannis. He held Giannis to something in some series like four, five years ago. That's one of the 25 sentences on Semi Ojale's uh, Wikipedia page. So it's, it's got to be true. Yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want to get too excited about it because I don't know if it's going to be a thing yet. I don't know if that makes me a downer or just, I want to wait. I want to see it before I like make judgment on it. It feels kind of like Tory Craig last year where like Tory yes. Craig's on the roster. And then it's like, by the end of the year, you're like, oh yeah, Tory Craig was on the books at the end of the year only because they're playing the Suns. But it's yeah. like, that's a guy they like got, you know, whatever he, they got him out of there essentially, even though everybody like really liked it. I remember I really liked the Tory Craig move for them earlier in the year. And then by the end, it's like, oh, PJ Tucker's in here. Like, this is, this makes a little more sense. Like, that's your stand in. That's your like guy that's going to guard KD. So I, I wonder if the Bucks are like, there's going to be a move in the middle of the season. You guys are always really active yeah, in the middle of the year. There's going so it, yeah. it sort of feels like that's the move at this point. You know, Miritich over the, uh, uh, and, and, and uh, I guess PJ, like, there's just always seems to be a move. Yeah, this I'm pretty confident there's going to be a trade or a buyout. It gets more difficult just because they're running out of tradable salary slots. Like it took DJ Augustine and DJ Wilson to get in PJ Tucker. And now it's like pretty much all the guys they have left on sizable contracts are like pretty important players. I mean, Pat yeah. Connaughton, when he signed his deal, I was hoping that would be flipped ASAP. And now I'm like, please don't trade Pat C. I'm yeah. just 
4.5 million. Like he's one of six guys who could play by the end of the Brooklyn series. Right. Let's keep him around. Um, so it might be a buyout. They do have that 15 spot open and they're just going to, they're going to keep it open. I think until buyout season, most likely, um, for tax reasons. And cause I just don't think there's anyone around that tickles their fancy enough to, to use on it right now. It could be an emergency big. Like if Brooke Lopez misses two weeks, I think they're just going to have to go sign some big man. Like they're just right. going to need that. They've been pretty lucky with his health, but I would assume that there is a move coming, but I think. People think that about the Nets too, right? That there could be another move incoming. What What do you think the Nets need? I know it's a weird question, and I don't even want to go into Kyrie trades. I, I know it's been floated. <laughs> I, I feels like it would be far off if anything. But like, yeah. if we're talking about like buyout guys or like you know guys on the trade block, what do you think they would look to get? Because I feel like they have ball handling, they have shooting, they certainly have enough bigs. Is it just more defense, or is that James Johnson? Uh, I think it's I think it's ball handling. Believe yeah, it or not, really, I think it's ball handling. I was really thinking about it today because you like you look at Patty Mills. You're like, all right, there's your backup point guard. But it's like, I really like Pat, Patty off ball more. Yeah. Like I'm just I don't want to you know give the ball to Patty Mills and and be like, hey, let's just run like a whatever high pick and roll in the half court. Yeah. However many times you can do little things. Like if you run certain sets for him in transition, that's fine. But even then, like there's a couple of plays granted it's preseason, but they ran um double drag, which is just the two screens in transition. And he came off it and it was just like, he kind of got nowhere. He's not really like great at pressuring the rim. He never has been, especially now at 33. Yeah. So it's like, I like him more kind of just being off ball and being a threat that way. And then you look down the line, it's like, okay, who's next? Is it Bruce Brown? Uh, I don't really want Bruce Brown running the offense. Yeah. Uh, I guess you're going to have to start playing out of your bigs. So it's like, maybe you play out of LaMarcus in the post or the mid post area, uh, or you play like out of Millsap at the top of the key. And it's like, these are all solid options, but it's like, that's unconventional and it's not sustainable. Like you can't run your, your backup bench offense out of like Paul Millsap at age 36. Like it's just, not going to happen. So I think they need ball handling. I really do. Um, and I think that would be what I would look for. Now, granted, like that all def- depends on what happens with this Kyrie thing, which is really just, Hey, we're going to sit around and wait and just hope this guy shows up vaccinated one day. Yeah. Like that's literally what's going on. So in that sense, if that's what you're waiting for, I would look for it. And they have a couple TPEs and stuff like, like they have flexibility to do what they need to do. It's just, I, I think they're going to roll out and see what this group looks like first. That definitely yeah, just, makes sense. Yeah. You go through the roster and it's just like out of J if you take a uh, James Harden and uh, Patty Mills who are starters, like who's the other ball handler, like Javon Carter, like, Oh, please. No, no. I, I love like Javon. People I like love him. Javon Carter. He's a great I, defender. Just you don't, want him, you don't want him initiating offense. No, you do not. You do not <laughs> want him coming off, you know, even coming off whatever, like off ball. Well, I guess he's, he's, he's gotten a little street, better but, as a shooter, right? That's that was big for him. I know that he started. Yeah. To oh, he's been great. He's yeah, been like yeah. killing it off. He's been, you know, it's not like crazy movement, but he's like he's been able to do things where he's moving back and forth from the corner. And it's like, Oh, okay. I didn't know Javon Carter had that. He had a, he had a step back too Ooh, in preseason. Okay. So it's been, it's been nice, man. It's been pretty cool. But um, yeah, I, that's, that's kind of where their weaknesses are right now is just that, you know, it's, I guess you could split up KD and Harden, but I don't know. Like, do you really want KD like having to basically play backup point guard for, 
a large a portion of the season. season. Probably not. Like, that's ridiculous. There's no reason to do that. Why would you not want to use a guy that's that good off ball, off the ball? Like, that's ridiculous. That's the whole appeal. He makes everything easier around you. He gets 30, and he's just coming off pin downs over and over. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I want to kind of cycle back a little bit and get the flip side of the who's guarding yes. who question. So I think Blake on Giannis makes a lot of sense. I would assume yep. they're going to mess with the Bruce Brown on Lopez stuff a little more. But where do you see the rest of the the matchup shaking up for Brooklyn's side? Uh, yeah, probably Millsap will come in there and pick up some Giannis reps. I don't think we'll see James. I mean, maybe maybe James Johnson comes out there, but I think they're going to try to play like their regular rotation. I don't think they're going to be like – Hey, let's pull out our third string, whatever yeah. forward center. The nineteen of them <laughs> yeah, we seem to have on this say. roster. There's so many of them. Is this a uh, rule if KD's on a super team? Because the Warriors were like this too. Is this like does the league send a memo like Jay? You got KD and other perimeter stars. You need a third of your roster to be centers, or it's just not fair. Yeah, it's just him saying I really want to play the three, and I'm yeah. gonna do anything I can to not <laughs> play the four. And I somehow I think they're still gonna start him at the four. No, I don't know honestly. Um, but yeah, so I think Millsap will probably get some Giannis minutes. We'll see how that looks. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll just, we'll see. Yeah. Um, which by the way, we have to talk a little bit about how Giannis looks in preseason. I'm sure you guys have done it a ton. I actually, I was watching your, uh, your most, one of your most recent episodes on YouTube and you guys were getting into it. And I was like, I need to shut this down. So I don't, I don't get any <laughs> of your thoughts on this. Cause I got a lot of them. Um, uh, and then, so so that's what I would have. Blake, Millsap on Giannis. Uh, for Drew, I would probably go... Oh, that's I don't why it know. starts to get a little interesting. I think I'd go Harden. I yeah. think I'd go Harden. I, boy, the perimeter defense has been bad. And, I mean, it's preseason. I get he's not trying, but he's just, he's just really declined as a perimeter defender. Harden has really declined in that area. And then I think off the bench, maybe you go Javon Carter, but mostly to be like somebody that's going to pressure him 94 feet. Um, but, uh, you know, Drew's, I think, bigger. Uh, again, Javon's got re- just really quick hands. Like it just, he is so fun to watch. I, I love watching good defenders oh, yeah. and he is just like a treat. So I think that's what I would do. And then for Middleton, I actually really like what Bruce Brown did in the playoffs against Middleton. I thought, he was a pretty big factor in, I think that was game five, I believe, where Bruce Brown was mostly on him in that series, in that second round series. So I like that. KD is a good option for Middleton. Can't go wrong with that. I don't hate Claxton either. I actually, if, if you want to get, if we're going to go really niche here, I don't I don't hate Nick Claxton grabbing some, some uh, reps on Chris Middleton. Do we think he's going to play a lot with this roster and this rotate? That, that is so interesting he to me. Should, I know, I know Rohan should. has been Rohan's been pulling his beautiful hair out, saying they he got should. another big. Is Nick Claxton going to play? He should. I uh, think so too. There is a lot of weirdness going on. I think between the Nets and Nick Claxton, there's like him being on the summer league roster, and then he's suddenly not on it, and he Ooh. shows up into camp. Like he was, he was not in good shape. Like they, they had their first preseason game against the Lakers. Um, and he like, couldn't do more than like three laps up and down the court. And it was just kind of like, wait for me. Like I've been a big Nick Claxton believer and and granted he looked great in the last preseason game. So he's somebody that gets into shape really quickly. But for me, it's like, that's kind of weird 
for you to be in your contract year and you have this big opportunity with this team. Like, I, I don't know. I would just be in good shape. For, yeah, for I mean, this. And they, it's not like they don't have a lot of guys who are jockeying for minutes at those positions. They don't have any too. athletes. Let's they be don't honest. Have athletes. <laughs> they have but nobody I mean, that's like athletic. The four or five minutes, obviously, they have a lot of guys there. But no, I think his skill set is very unique for them. He's their best wing defender. He's like yeah. one of their really, I mean, I don't want to slight KD. So him and KD are the only like wing defenders on this team. And that's kind of why I like, like, you can throw Nick at Middleton because Middleton's, he's not going to like blow by Nick. No. And he's got the length to really bother that high release point. So I, I don't know. I love that matchup. Like he, that's why I'm like, I would try to just give him as many minutes as possible because he is such a different look. Like I get it on offense. He's just a center that rolls to the rim and they like their guys to be able to shoot. But defensively, like he's just a different look than anybody. So yeah, I, I almost feel like I, I don't know if this is factoring into the nets, but I remember like he was seen as such a defensive stopper. And they tried him on Giannis, and he just wasn't strong enough for Giannis when Giannis was in the post. And yep. I felt like his minutes really deteriorated after that. But I th- I do agree with you that I think he would probably make more sense guarding Chris than Giannis, especially, and we can get into a, a broader Giannis convo, which I th- I'm always down to do. But I think what changed for Giannis the most by the time Claxton was was trying to guard him later in that series is, and it happened in during that Brooklyn series, yeah. this finally fully happened, it was like, okay, I'm just going to play like a center. Like I'm going to play like Shaq played, right? Like I'm going to post up, I'm going to roll and pick and rolls off of Chris and Drew. I'm not going to try and initiate anymore because Blake and multiple other guys are there every time. And shoot like pull up threes. (laughs) Yeah, we're done with all of that. Like I'm just going to, I'm going to be a bully. And suddenly no one could guard him that he played for the rest of the playoffs. I mean, and really no one anywhere. I mean, if DeAndre Ayton couldn't do it in the post, I don't know how many guys really can. And I think... That's why, you know, coming into this preseason, my thing with Giannis was like, I hope he's still doing that because everyone wants mm. to be LeBron, right? Everyone wants to be a perimeter player. It's it's that's how stars are. I mean, even the best center in the game who just won MVP initiates offense for his team. Like no one likes to do the unglamorous center stuff, but I'm still not mad about Giannis's jumper because a, how could you ever be? And B, his very first possession of the preseason was posting up Darius Baisley and taking him to the rack. He's still rolling in pick and roll. It's just he also looks more comfortable with his jumper and getting to his spot. So it's kind of been the best of both worlds in seeing the jumper look confident and also seeing him not totally going away from. Right. Also, like I can get this hook and be wide open at any point from four feet away. It's He's such optimizing an, what he can do within the realm of the offense. That's yeah. basically it. He, well, he's just such an egoless superstar that I don't, I don't, he's not somebody I worry about. I love Giannis, by the way, which is like such a conflict of interest. I feel like for everybody that's like a Nets fan, I love Giannis. I'm not going to, for all the Nets fans listening, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I love Giannis. I think he's amazing. Um, and just is a, seems like a good person. Um, but he, like, I don't, I don't look at Giannis and I'm not like, it's he's just egoless. I don't think that he's going to be like, Oh, cool. I can shoot jumpers. Now that's all I'm going to do. Yeah. Like every single game. I think he's just such a smart, like he's just a smart polished player that he is going to have that balance. But um, yeah, that, that jumper's looking good, man. It's a, it's one motion. He's shooting when he's on the way up. Uh, it's looking good, man. I'm, I'm kind of buying it right now. It, it is. I don't want to get like we talked about this. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Rohan's again, the realist of the two of us, if you can. I'm, I'm Dude, trying because I don't want to set up myself for failure and just disappointment <laughs> and heartbreak. But 
I just I want to see it in like games that matter. And given we've seen like the jump hooks and stuff in the playoffs, so like the yeah. ultimate games that matter, we have seen that. So I'm not worried about that. It's like the little mid rangers, the little dirks, the little turnaround fades. Like that's what I'm like. Okay, let's let's yeah. see if you can put this into practice. And if he can, I'm not going to doubt him and say like, oh, he can't do it. I'm just like, okay, let's see before I pass judgment. But if he does, like you were saying, Matt, it's just. It's not like he's not going to be like searching for those. He's not going to be hunting for those. It's going to be more like counters to like, oh, you're going to block out this area. Okay, I can go to this now instead of like maybe getting into a charge. I'm going to be doing stuff to counter what the defenders are giving me so that I have more options when I'm in the paint area, when I'm in like the restricted area. I just have more stuff to go to if I'm honest. It's just, I don't know. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But it looks good. It does really look good. Like the shooting percentages in preseason were just, they were stupid. gaudy yeah, and stupid. stupid. I, and somebody really made a graphic. It. You can't make a graphic with a three-game sample. Like oh, he seven, shot, yeah. something he shot 70, 60. <laughs> he shot the worst from free throw out of the three areas, which is hilariously <laughs> honest. But I was like, let's not make graphics with the shooting yeah. percentages like from se- seven, six like, and seven shots, I think, respectively. From yeah, three like 70, mid-range. 74% from mid-range and yeah. 66% from three. Like, no, that if you think that's going to hold up, you're an idiot. Yeah, that's just for it's, sure. It's, it's not going to happen. Can you get like your three point percentage? Like 34, 36 is the number. I, if he's 36, I don't know. Anyone. 36, might be, 36 yeah. might be a lot, but the thing might is like, be. I'm not even concerned about that. Like yeah. you, you're talking about earlier, Matt, in terms of like pull up threes that, that broke me during the series because he was just going like trying to match shot for shot with KD. I was like, what are you doing? This yeah. is not like a winning formula. Which is why, again, I had multiple mental breakdowns. It was just a lot of, uh, like, can you get that mid-ranger down? Are you going to work on your, like, catch-and-shoot threes if, like, Chris Middleton Drew Holiday are initiating? That's what's more important to me than, like, like pull-up threes. They're not – it's not his game. Like, it's asking, yeah. like, KD to, like, go do post-hooks and stuff like that. It's just – it's not it's not their game. Like, right. sure, if they want to, they can do it. But, like, why? You can do so many other things so much better. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I like this shot. I mean, the the little, like, if he can hit the turnaround, like, 15-footer, or even just the face-up jumper, like, the day that the Nets were giving him a lot it is just like, I don't, I don't know what the Nets do. It doesn't even need to be a high percentage, just enough to make the Nets think yeah. where it's like, okay, we've watched this guy hit like four straight jumpers in Blake's face. And now it's like, I think we might need to have him, even if it's not a hard closeout, like close out a little bit, even just put one foot forward in front of him. And that's when you're, done. and that's when it's done. Yeah. Like, I just don't know it. It like, I, you know, I, I, I've been watching Giannis for a while and I just have never seen him look like that, where it looked, um, it looked natural. Like it, it looked really truly looked like it was a natural jump shot. <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah. I was just like, this is, I, you know, we'll see if it translates. I've, tr- I've usually really good at tempering expectations with preseason, but I think like everybody else that, and I'm sure you guys are probably like trying to, you know, keep this at bay, but like everybody else on Twitter, I was like, oh man, this is a, this is a problem. Like, I don't know. There are two things that are going to get in the way of, uh, of the Nets title chances, the <laughs> New York city COVID mandates and Giannis Antetokounmpo <laughs> taking jumpers. Like those are the two things right now. And boy, I don't know what you do about either of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think you got it exactly right. I mean, oh, and just to your point, um, this is something I see a lot with Giannis with different things. Like, there were people who were saying after the finals, like he's always been this good. It's just, he got a lucky competition and his team got better. No, he was never as good as he was in in that playoff run ever. And you're exactly right on the jumper too. I mean, there were games when he would like make them the Lakers game in LA when he put the crown on is probably the biggest example. Yeah. But the shot never looked that good. And it would be like the next night he'd be like one for six. Like it yep. never, it would, he never, I don't know if he's ever shot three games in a row as good as he shot. And again, it was like six or seven shots or something, but like the fact that he like, it looked good and it looked consistent. That's the starting point with the honest shot. And they went in for three games in a row is huge, but I, I totally agree with you. Like you really just have to keep teams honest. That's all Giannis's jumper needs to do. Like you could see it in some of these games. Like I think he started two for two and maybe the Mavs game. Mm. and defenders start to close out like Maxi Kleba, poor guy is like, Oh, I guess I have to go stand around him. And Giannis is like, Oh, this is a dunk. Thank you. Like this, yep. like the defenders who can guard him in the post can also not guard him on the perimeter almost all the time. So it really is. It's like, it's great to, you know, get three points, obviously, 
but it's a lot better to get like 12 in a row because you're trying to guard him on the perimeter and, and you just then you can't keep up with him or you're sending help and he's progressed a lot as a passer and the Bucks have gotten better at putting capable offensive players around him. So that's really, you know, we try not to, even I, the less realism, one of the two of us on the Eurostep podcast, try to not get too caught up because, I mean, they won a title with him not shooting jumpers. Like they can right. do it. But it is like very tantalizing to think about like, oh, that's really like then you're not saying he's as skilled offensively as KD and certainly in as many ways. But it's that same issue with like the elite perimeter players of like, you know, he found out how to beat the barrier. Rohan doesn't like the word wall. The barrier. Giannis got away through it. <laughs> but you just you can't do stuff like that to those players. Right. Like the Bucks saw it up close in Kawhi. Like there's no one strategy like he can beat you so many ways. And that's when it's like. Oh my God, this guy's not even 27 yet. And he's the bag is deepening. Dude, he's the, he, I mean, that's what, again, as somebody who just is a big fan of Giannis, like he wins a title and he comes back into preseason with like a functionally look like normal looking jumper. I'm like, dude, this guy is like a superhero. Like, this is insane. <laughs> like, yeah. he just disappeared. He didn't play in the Olympics, right? No, so the he Greece just disappears. We were pretty this, happy. Which he just, you know, he disappears off the map and he just shows up in preseason. And it's like, oh, of course he did, because that <laughs> only makes sense that the first thing he's going to do with the confidence of winning a championship is like take on the one thing that everybody's been, you know, giving him hell about is his yeah. bag or whatever. It's just I don't know, man. It's 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 very cool stuff. And um, it, it's I don't know what they I really don't know what anybody does with that if if they uh, if that's if that thing sticks. Well, and I think it's a good point in like the championship confidence. I think we're hoping it kind of translates to Drew and Chris. Too. Yeah, Drew can't play any worse offensively. I'll say that. <laughs> That's they actually the Bucks broadcast. Marcus Johnson reported on on the broadcast like they had an assistant coach working him with him specifically on like finishes at the basket because people remember the shooting. Yeah, like he just wasn't making layups. He was blowing like, dude, layups. Just make layups. Like that's. <laughs> I think it was Adam McGee on, on uh, the Win and Six pod, part of the, our podcast network on our feed, was like, oh, you can't expect that much with the perimeter defense he's playing. I was like, just make layups. I don't need him to be James Harden offensively. Just convert the bunnies and I'd be good, Drew. So, yeah, if he can do that, and I, I don't know, Chris could just, like, m- even out a little bit. like Consistency. Like, yeah, that's game just six, the, that's Chris the big could thing. meet game two, Chris, would be pretty good. Yeah, if we just had like a consistent version of Chris Middleton, because we see the highs. The highs keep getting pointed out, like, oh, he can drop 40 in the finals, he can drop 40 in game six or against the Nets. And it's just like a big games, Chris Middleton's gonna show up. Like, okay, cool. Like show up for the other ones too. Like it's nice <laughs> that you show up for like the big games, but it's like if you got a consistent Chris Middleton experience, you wouldn't be necessarily in these situations as often. And so that's just, that's been the biggest problem. It's like when people want to say like, oh, Chris Middleton is one of like, how does he rank among perimeter players in the NBA or just players in general or wings in the NBA? It's like the biggest, the biggest downside for him is consistency because you'll see nights where he's super quiet. And we've been discussing this on our side. It's just a lot of what Drew and Chris do. They don't really, uh, they don't really have high offensive outputs, uh, simultaneously like we saw it once like game five of the finals like that was incredible that was and they win that game handily because drew holiday and chris middleton are both showing up in the net series one of them if one of them showed up the other one wasn't and you could count on that that was you can like set your watch to that there's a lot of just inconsistencies among those two offensively and like 
at some point it's understandable because it's a year one of Drew Holiday in that system. So right. it's like, okay, you need to figure this stuff out. Especially Chris Middleton, we know he takes a couple years to figure some stuff out. Like his first two years with Bud, it was a little bit of a back and forth between how he wanted to play offensively. So it just takes time with these players. And we were talking about this in a previous episode. It's just like, that's one thing I'm really looking forward to this season with Milwaukee is how can Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton coexist offensively? Can they both play to each other's strengths? Can they both hide each other's weaknesses? How does that sort of fit together? Because like you were mentioning earlier, he played awful. Drew Holiday, especially offensively in that Brooklyn series. It was bad. So if you can sort of make it not as bad, like average, that's a big step yeah. forward. And and also like just trending a little more offensively. We'll see. I'm, I like almost brought up Rodney Hood again. I have a Rodney Hood problem, I think. <laughs> I need to kick this Rodney Hood addiction I have. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think the Bucks trend a little more offensively. You guys mentioned Grayson Allen is like somebody that can come in there and fill gaps. I, I've liked Jordan Nora a lot. Kind of, kind of want him to be a rotation guy, uh, which is like that's like that's some like Doc Rivers level GMing on my part, where I see a guy drop thirty against the team that I'm, you know, coaching or covering or whatever, and I'm like, that guy's a star right there. That's the guy right there. I need him on my. I'm gonna team. sign. Yeah, I'm gonna sign him in a couple of years. <laughs> but really, like he he's got it. I don't know. He's got the irrational confidence. The pull up jumpers there. He's got some like he's just he's interesting too. He's like a nice kind of off the bench spark that I think the Bucks could use. And it's like if you're trending offensively more. And you're not having these lineups where it's like PJ Tucker and Jeff Teague or whatever, where it's just like, all right, those there's two guys that are offering literally nothing offensively. Uh, that's going to help a lot with the load that's going to be on Drew and the load that's going to be on Chris, where it's like, we're not just going to get an ISO fest because we know the guys around you aren't doing anything except maybe crashing the glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love yeah the, the, the uh, memorial paying tribute to PJ Tucker's offensive rebounding. Cause that, yes, is, that is his the offense. one offensive skill. <laughs> there's so many great PJ interview clips. Obviously we dogs is legendary trying to bring it to He's Miami great. is corny, but one of my favorites was somebody, I don't remember who, if it was a bucks person or like a national person, but they were like asking him about his offensive output. Cause he probably scored like zero or two or something. And he like, he scoffed at the idea that he should have to play offense. He's like, do you realize I'm guarding Kevin Durant? Like, no, I'm not going to play offense. And I was like, I love that he's just up front. Like PJ Tucker is under no illusion that he is like this, this sniper. Like, I feel like 90% of the players in the league are like on the right team. I could drop 30 a game. Yeah. PJ Tucker's like, absolutely not. I'm here for defense, <laughs> offensive rebounding. And that's what I do. Um, but yeah, I think offensive, I think the, the one silver lining of, of hood, unfortunately being banged up and I like the signing too. I, I sound so low on it now. Cause I'm not even low on the signing. I'm low on him. Cause he just, he did not look good in his game back. And then he's yeah. again, which is just tough for him considering, you know, the way his career has gone, but this is kind of what the bucks do now. I mean, they've, they blew basically every draft pick besides Brogdon and, uh, Probably, hopefully, DiVincenzo post Giannis, like literally Sterling Brown. Sterling Brown. He didn't help the Bucks. I'm calling it. A, I mean, it's like going to be. Pick. It doesn't look, matter. He's, he's going to have big moments for the for the Mavs. I'm feeling I'm good about it. it. He finally got in shape. Congrats, Sterling. But um, <laughs> he's just so. I always thought he was just going to be a power forward. He's just like he wasn't out of shape. He was just like big, and he looks yeah, very he slim now. He looks very slim. Good for Sterling. But 
Um, they didn't get much out of pretty much any draft pick, especially they were much better in the second round between Brogdon and, and right. Sterling than they were in the first. Don Maker, Rashad Vaughn, um, DiVincenzo, pretty good, but unfortunately is not set on the court. But they, they, this is how they've compensated what Horace has done. It's basically just like, how many flyers can I take on guys who aren't necessarily ancient, right? Like Bobby Portis, Grayson Allen, uh, Semi Ojale, uh, Rodney Hood, like guys in their 20s who, for whatever reason, injuries or, you know, Portis's case, just, you know, not being on good teams, not having a good defensive reputation are available. And like, can we get them in the system and convince them to stay and everything else? So that's why I think like their contracts are all just like bets. They're all flyers. Like if Rodney Hood works, great. We have a rotational player and we're set. And if he doesn't, then we'll Tory Craig him and, and try again later at the buyout or something else. But I think Wara is going to get real opportunities to play early. Your guy is going to, he's, I think he was always probably going to end up in the Bryn Forbes role, at least to start um, for the regular season. But the way the Bucks roster is right now without Portis and semi and hood, he might play real rotation minutes and really get to play through some mistakes, which I think will be good for him long-term, even if Bud does freak out and call timeout and, and cuss him out for missing a switch or something in yeah. you know, game six of the year. Um, but I'm excited. He's just fun to watch. I mean, when, he, when a guy is so a flamethrower, how can you not have fun? Just just sit back and enjoy the show. I'm trying to think of like the last guy that was like that for the Bucks. I'm, I'm really trying to think. I, it's not really been a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's it's a fun little mix. Like that, I and it's funny. Like I feel Shabazz like Muhammad. I, well, that's Michael there. Weasley? You're speaking of my Timberwolves roots, right? <laughs> Let me tell you right now, Shabazz Muhammad. Uh, the only the the only player that I've ever seen that is more reluctant to take a shot with his right hand. It, and it was uncanny. He would not <laughs> shoot with his right hand. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like you mentioned that, or I just, just the talking about him and being a guy that can kind of give you that instant offense. I feel like these teams are like a lot more geared to play each other this year. Like I think the Nets really went in there and said, maybe more than anything, is we want to build a team that's constructed to guard the Bucks and guard Giannis. That's why you have like James Johnson is a great example of a guy that they brought in that they specifically are saying, hey, we really hope this works out because we want to throw this guy out there for a bit. Uh, Millsap, I mean, I think they're going to bring him in because he's got vet savvy or whatever, but he is a guy you can also throw out there. Uh, Blake is somebody I think they retained a because they're they like him and he's like a big, like a very big part of their culture, which is very interesting. Like he's he's like a he gets like you know, he's like one of the decision makers on the team now, which is crazy. Well, he's, he's been there for like six months. Well, he's, was gonna, but is he probably maybe one of the longest tenured guys in the rotation this year? Feels I mean. like it. Yeah, He's it up feels there. like it's it. With Harden <laughs> coming in after, right? Or no, actually, he came yeah. in after. Who came in first, Blake or Harden? Uh, Harden was Close. in January. And oh, then so Harden, okay. Yeah, and then Blake was in March. And then That's LaMarcus right. came, I think, in April, from what I remember. I don't know. It was a great – just the whole year last year was just me doing preview content and, like, what guys are going to look like. I don't even think I watched the regular season. It was just me being like, oh, here's a new player. Cool. It's Amon <laughs> Shumpert. <laughs> oh, he's gone. Here's Andre Robertson. <laughs> I a, forgot about Robertson. Oh, my wow. dude, It was a weird year. It was a weird – Noah Vonley was a net for a bit. It was very Whoa, strange. I don't even remember that. Yep. Tyler Cook was a net for a bit. We're going, it was, it was a weird couple of weeks. So they just traded everybody for Harden. So they're just like, it's open tryouts yeah. basically <laughs> at that point. So, but um, yeah, I just, 
anyways, I just I think it's interesting. They've both kind of trended. I don't know if the Bucks have built for the Nets necessarily, but they've kind of they brought in more guys that are going to give you a little bit more offensive punch. And then the Nets, it's like they're just they have guys that are going to try to interrupt the point of attack. So it's like if the Nets are dropping with Blake Griffin, which <laughs> Is, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. I didn't love it towards the end of the series. Um, turns out Blake Griffin does not offer a ton of rim protection on lobs, but let's say they're doing that. Uh, they now have like not just Bruce Brown, but they have Javon Carter. They have DeAndre Bembry, like guys that are going to get around screens and like bother one of Chris or or Drew um, coming off these pick and rolls with Giannis. It's, it just feels like they've geared up more for the bucks than anybody. And that includes the Los Angeles Lakers. Like I, they, that's, that's my feel. They're respecting the yeah. bucks as the champs. And for good reason, by the way, like it, I'm going to do this rant. I, I got to do this. Real quick. <laughs> Everybody like, com- I don't know. I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like people complaining about the bucks and the, you know, who the, oh, they won. It was the, the path. It's like, here's my thing with that. Everybody had in when, before we got into the bucks net series, Everybody said, okay, whoever's winning this series is going to win the finals. And that's what happened. And then everybody said, oh, well, this season's rigged. And uh, it's like, well, didn't, isn't what we said was going to happen happened? Yeah. And the Bucks won. <laughs> like one of the two teams won. And we, and we don't do this in other years. We don't go, oh, well, I don't know. Like, are we sure the Raptors should have won? You know, the, uh, like Clay got injured and KD could have come back. Like, we don't do that. We just say that the Raptors won. Why do we do this for last year? I get it. Like, there were more injuries. But it's like, in the end, we kind of got a team that I think everybody should feel okay about winning. Sorry, yeah. I had to get that right. No, I mean, you're, you're <laughs> preaching to the choir yeah. here. I mean, we're all in. <laughs> On that, and I will say, like, actually, uh, Bucks fans are not a fan of his, but I love James Harden's answer in the in media day. I think when someone asked, you know, like something about like the Nets being the team to beat, basically, and like I think that the <laughs> yeah, question I know that everyone was. gets asked, like, how 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 are you going to handle being the team to beat? And he's like, we're not the team to beat. Like Milwaukee is the team to beat. And I think part of it was like he like I I, I don't know. I don't know James Harden personally, of course, but I think it was kind of like just like it's kind of a silly question. But I, I it was just like Bucks fans appreciated it, right? Because there is. Bruce Brown, I think, is the one guy actually on the Nets who was like, oh, we know how it would have gone. Okay, Bruce, whatever. Um, <laughs> guy hit 75% of his floaters and talking about could have been. But uh, no, no, no. But I, I do think, yeah, and I think it's kind of, to me, that's how the season looks again. Like I, I was mad yeah. on Twitter the other day, and it wasn't because the Bucks weren't first in title odds, but I was like, at least they should be second, right? Like I think – yeah. They, oh no, because the team in the other conference has to be second because it's an easier path. And I was like, what does it matter if they're going to lose? Like, yeah. the team in the yeah. other conference is going to lose to the Bucks the, or the These Nets. are the two best teams in the league. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's yes. really a question. And I think it's that like, remains yeah. if the player to who shall not be named never shows up. Like, I still think. Oh, no, yeah. 100%. They're, they're still 100%. like maybe number <laughs> like, one. No, I think they still are number one. I'm still going to say they're number one. I th- it's much closer with uh, Voldemort out, but it's just <laughs> like it's it's like it it is closer. But I still will pick. I still think Brooklyn has the best odds and should have the best odds to win because this 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 roster is insane. Like we we've been talking about like oh they like ball handling. Cool. When at the end of the day, you have James Harden and Kevin Durant, who's going to be taking <laughs> yeah, all, it's nuts. All the ball handling responsibilities <laughs> when it's playoff time. Like cool. 
like problem solved. Like, yeah. okay, cool. Oh, they can't find Nick Claxman's because they have to play Blake Griffin, Paul Millsap. <laughs> like, like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, th- these these are the problems that we have, like that this Nets roster has. And it's like, okay, it doesn't matter when it comes to playoff. Though. Like the Bucks, they're a very good team. They should be second, but like they, they should be second. My, my thing with the Nets remains like, you might just get unlucky and they're they're just so hot for any four games out of a series that you just lose. Like I do think at the end of the day, when it, as long as you have Harden and Durant, right? Like those guys alone can score like a hundred points in a game together. That, that's, a, that's on the high yeah. side, but easily 80, right? And it's just like, then if you get, you know what, like Joe Harris finally decides to shoot in the playoffs, which is like, that's something that would have absolutely swung that series too. That's just how playoff series are. But it's just like their offense can be so potent that I think you can play almost a perfect game, which the Bucks don't play a lot of perfect games, having watched them a lot. But even if you do play nearly perfect, you can still lose. And that's my thing. That was my thing with Brooklyn last year. I, I, I called Bucks every series, but I was like, there's a shot that they play really well and they just lose anyway. And, and if they don't play well, there's no way they're going to win. And I got that one wrong. But really, it was like, I think the Bucks got a little lucky. The games they didn't play the best. Brooklyn, those were also some of their hotter games. And yeah. if, you, if you line those up, then you can survive. I think, you know, you play okay in their colder games, you can win. But, yeah, I think that's like, we've been talking a lot about the Bucks, And I appreciate that. But, my God, this Nets team is just like literally two MVPs. One is probably the greatest scorer ever, certainly in the conversation for that. First uh, Brown? Yeah. <laughs> No, Blake. Blake, actually. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, my bad. No, and and uh, they're just really good. And I and I think, honestly, this uh, I've been really – and we'll see this year how it is because there's more confounding factors. But, like, Harden and Blake and Durant coming together – Durant was there, but, like, the other guys coming in, and it feels like they kind of built a culture on the fly a little bit and, like, made it work. And I think that's easier yep. when you're as good as they are. But and again, we'll see. You know, if things get choppier this year, it doesn't seem like they're going to. Um, I, I I think that's kind of a cool thing. And I, I, a lot of people say, you know, Nash does nothing, whatever. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and argue exactly what he does. But I do think coaching culture is a big thing. That's something I didn't appreciate enough until the Bucks won the title about Budenholzer, especially coming from kid. Like that's a big deal, and like that's why Giannis stays. That's why you can make it through being down 0-2 and 3-2 to Brooklyn and down 0-2 in the finals and, you know, in d- without Giannis and, and down 0-1 in, in the uh, conference finals. Like, they just had such a great culture. I think Nash has done a, a good job of that. Like, I don't know if he's the number one X's and O's coach in the league, but I think, honestly, some of that stuff gets a little overhyped at the end of the day. Like, if your players aren't enjoying playing for you, it's not even really worth anything to be that guy. And there, yeah. he also might be a great X's and O's coach, yeah. too. Have you oh, seen, yeah, like, I'm not have saying you, he's like, not. The way Brooklyn plays, it's like, a lot of people just assume, like, what? Watch this, everyone, like Bucks fans, especially listening to this. Watch how the Nets play. You you assume it's a lot of like, oh, Harden and Durant, like in their bag, do an isolation shot. No, 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 no. It's ping, 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 pass, pass, yeah. easy cuts, dunks, wide open threes, because of the way they leverage their spacing and the way they leverage the talents that they have. So Steve Nash might be a great X's and O's coach. Yeah, and they use and even this might be the like- third string point guard too. <laughs> I might, you, we actually might, be, we might be, so we might be, might be playing point together uh, for the next suit. No, it's funny. Like they, even this, this uh, preseason, they're doing little things using um, 
they have a set now that they're going to open with, and I bet you they open with it for this game. I'll, I'll tell you right now. If I'm going to, I'm going to give some bold tidbit, tidbit to the to the Bucks coaching stuff, uh, which I'm sure are diligently listening to this. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're definitely oh, yeah. listening. Both We're at feeds. Minute, both feeds. Minute, yeah, minute fifty right now. They're like, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is the good stuff right here. Uh, that rant he said about. <laughs> The Bucks being rightful champions, we needed that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they're going to open with a set where it's like a little handback, and then Harden goes and sets a, a screen in the corner, and that flows into like a, a dribble handoff for Joe Harris. And it's like they're doing little things where I don't even remember that last year. I mean, I'm not saying like James Harden's never set a screen in his life, but they're do they do little things. They're mixing their guys in there. Harden's going to be a screener, uh, and I bet you Harden screens for KD, and then the obvious counter is doing that vice versa, which is something I would love if they would tap into more and put those guys in action together. Like they are very creative with this stuff. And I think they're just scratching the surface of what they can do. Um, Like for me, one of the big ones is if they can use Joe Harris and James Harden in like a pick and pop together. I mean, I'm sure you guys remember that in the, the, I think it was on MLK day, the game against the Bucks. They went to that specific action, I think, like three or four times in the fourth quarter. And it was just like they got something good every single time against the Bucs. And I was with Drew, like, covering it, like, and doing an okay job. There's all these little wrinkles that I don't even feel like they've explored. I mean, there's actions where they can have James Harden out there. And let's say they do – I mean, they did a little bit in this in the, in the the their last preseason game where they have – uh, James Harden coming off a pair of screens. Uh, Nick Claxton's rolling to the rim. Patty Mills is tapping out to three. And it's just like there's all these little things that they can do. And a lot of it comes down to what Harden can do as a, a passer. Like it's just they've tapped into that in a way that, I mean, it's it's tough to keep. It's hard for me to watch. Like sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how he just did that. I can't imagine guarding <laughs> Yeah, I think what was one of the most exciting moments for us was just seeing the Bucks get a little bit more inventive and fun with some offensive play calling. Mm. Um, Rohan, what was what's the correct term for the play? You know, I'm going to talk about the. It was just a. Was it a double a, drag? Yeah, it was a high double drag. Yeah. Yeah. So Chris handling the ball, Giannis and Drew, Drew. setting yep. the screens, and then it flows. Chris hits Drew with a nice pocket pass in the paint. And then he hits Pat in the corner. Corner. I saw that on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Steve, Steve Jones Jr. of the dunker spot was like, whoa, they're finally doing stuff. And I was like, yeah, they, I, I hope they continue to do some stuff. Like, see, and that's going to be important because that's yeah. that's a switch beater right there. Yeah. That is exactly what that is designed to do. And that's a lot of what the Nets like to do Yep. Uh, in certain schemes, against, especially against Milwaukee. We saw them switch so much, so much against the Bucks. They're just finding ways to like, okay, how do how do we how do we leverage this in our advantage? And again, like Brooklyn's going to react to that. They're going to change up their coverage. It's just it's a chess match. That's why like we're we're talking about this in this like in the sense of a playoff series because like let's be this is going to happen again. Yeah. Like I don't want to just like I think I think they'll play pretty hard in the opener. Yeah, like, this, oh, yeah. I think this will be competitive. As well, yeah. Oh, I do too. For sure. This will be really competitive because I think the Nets are going to want to come out there and spoil ring night. And then conversely, the Bucks. I mean, this is just it's a it's a rivalry now. Like we can call it's, it what it is. It's going to be this the entire season because both of these teams. I know Zach Lowe's been really talking about this a lot. They're just prime for FU seasons. Both of these teams. Yep. Because yep. the Nets are like, OK, we have our guys. Let's go show the world who we are. 
And the Bucks are like, hey, we're not like a fluke. We're going to show you who we are and we're going to keep getting better. So both of these two teams are like, like I said earlier, the best two teams in the league. They're just primed to just shock the world while also meeting like that. They they're on a collision course. And <laughs> we, we have a couple more months uh, to wait. I don't what How many months? I can't do math. I can, but I don't want to. I don't just know. Like, I don't remember when the playoffs are because of all the weird schedule years. Oh, it's yeah. No it's idea. in april right late it could april start in right? two weeks i wouldn't know anymore i'm <laughs> fried we that, I, th- that... I think it's late april i think it start the important yeah. part of the playoffs starts in may i believe yes <laughs> yeah late april is when you sweep garbage teams or you know whoever <laughs> else is I remember when don't talk about the charlotte hornets like that that's not nice (laughs) (laughs) Uh, just bringing it back both of our franchises used to be like that (laughs) that's what we would get excited for Uh, i would love if charlotte made it i don't know why they didn't extend bridges though i got got a quibble with that that's true i I, I hear i hear clutch guys almost never take the rookie extension i don't know why Uh, i didn't realize that he is a clutch guy of course you know of makes course. it makes it harder. Uh, with the <laughs> guy. Um, you know, for this game is in particular, I think the most tenuous part for me for the Bucks is like if Lopez gets in foul trouble or Giannis, we might see Sandrew Mamakalashvili play Shvili play oh, in this game. I'm ready. That's where I'm we're not. at. Like we might have real Mamu minutes. <laughs> I'm like, ready. Like, like Thanasis is going to play a little bit, but like in terms of true bigs, like without Portis and the, the reason I, I, I didn't get back to this earlier, cause we've been bouncing around like the Nets offense, hopefully like the Bucks offense a little bit this year <laughs> um, is every time the Bucks are asked about like the, not having another true center or being a smaller roster. The first thing they say every time is like, Oh, we're going to have like, we got Shemi for this. Like Shemi is going to be like a, four slash five even which i'm very interested to see because they never would play small usually yeah and but he's he's not going to play so you know thanasis is going to get minutes at the four wara maybe he'll size up to the four certainly cannot size up to the fives i think the default is going to be Giannis and lopez staggering minutes as the fives and then only not playing together as much which is fine i mean brooke lopez obviously still a very capable offensive five and he showed that in the playoffs enough times and a damn good defender too even if he's not you know nick claxton in space or anything like that but uh if one of those guys got in foul trouble or you know did something couldn't play as much i think you might see some mamu at the five which talk about a baptism by fire like it's gonna be out there with kd and harden although he Hey, in the preseason, he had I think, he was look, 21 and 20 and 11. Kane Pittman reminded me, hey, he's ready for this. I said, oh, okay, start him. He you know hit what? the nastiest shot of the game. He hit that little up fake. Oh, and yeah. And move. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> Double for- spin? Yeah. <laughs> he followed that with two of the worst games you've seen. So my confidence. It was, it was, it was again, a rough experience. Let me Doc Rivers GM this. I'm ready. <laughs> Give it, start him. <laughs> Um, speaking of like, what is there? Cause I have this in my notes. Uh, what, what is the bucks best small five? Like they're the best small ball five. I'm assuming with Giannis at center. Yeah. Cause it's, it's drew Middleton. And then is it Grayson and Pat? Or you might, you might have George, Hill, George in Hill in there. Well, I don't we'll know. See, we'll see when Semi shows up. When Shemi shows up, if if he can get into that, just offering a little more defense in some of those options. 
So I'll say by the end of the year, I think it's still TBD. Like I think they have a lot to try out and mess around with. Like the Bucks are mm. known now as regular season tinkerers. So I think they're just going to tinker away. I yeah. will say for this game, it's get, uh, Pat at the four is what they're going to go with. Um, because honestly, he's better there than at the two. He's like, so much better as a four than he's, as a two. He's stronger than he is fast, to put it that way. Like, uh. honestly, like I didn't, I don't hate the way he guards KD. He's just too small. Like, he just can do yeah. nothing about the shot. But, I like, hate the way he guards KD. <laughs> like, the way he goes about it, I don't hate. But it's just like, if he was three inches taller, he'd actually be an okay, like, one of the guys to throw at him on the long list as is it's just like he gives up too much like you have to be a superhuman defender like drew to even do anything and pat's not that good but like uh, i remember the hawks were kept going to gallo on him and gallo was hitting some shots on him but it was like like he had to hit like turnaround jumpers and it's like okay you can hit turnaround jumpers on him can't move him yeah like you can't move pat so i think they're gonna go with pat and like have him guard like the blakes and james johnson's of the world and and just i I also think part of it too is especially against the nets that the bucks are not too worried about that is like if the nets devolve into james johnson or blake griffin or even lamarcus posting up pat when even one of kd or harden is out there you'll take it you'll take it every time like that's a win so yeah i think pat at the four and then the other yeah, I think Grayson too will will be the default. He's been the starter uh, with the starters all preseason, so I think that would be the the five for the small ball for now. With mm. Portis, Portis could factor in there too eventually, but with him out and everyone else, that I think that's the Portis goal. is just he's why he didn't play in the end of the Brooklyn series. He was just getting, he was getting picked on too much, and uh, it's proved more is, sense then. Believe in Bobby Rohan. I <laughs> I believe in Bobby, but like there's some things you can't change. Uh, so I don't know. I I'll be hopeful. Okay, Ty, that makes you happy. We'll I'll be hopeful, but uh, I'm not penciling him in there as of right now. So it's probably yeah. It's either going to be uh, Drew, Chris, uh, Grayson, Pat, Giannis, or it's going to be Drew, Chris, George Hill, Pat, Giannis. But Pat mm-hmm. is definitely going to be in there. All right. Is that and that's probably their best lineup also to close. I don't know. Uh, Going small I, I would, or is Brooke in there? Pencil it. Brooke might be in there. I, it's, I think there's Brooke just, looked in preseason. I mean, it's pretty preseason. Good. Pretty looks, good. Spryer yeah. than we expected. I'm sh- I, that's what mainly what I wanted to know. Cause I was like, what does it look like? 70 day off season. Brooke's yeah. kind of, you know. Well, and the funny thing is last regular season, he looked really slow and I tried to hold out for as long as I could. The people in the Brooke, Lopez's wash camp. They were giving me Brooke Lopez's wash reading materials. That was our running joke. I refused to read them, <laughs> but I didn't throw them away. They were on my coffee table. And then I read them and I bought in. And then in the playoffs, he's great again. So he obviously has, you know, athletic limitations, but I, I think I, I would imagine their default would probably be to play mm-hmm. him unless the Nets go ridiculously small and he's just like way too stretched out. Just because he's like He's just damn good. And, and it's not ideal with Giannis. It's really not. Brooke and, Brooke and Giannis, they try to fit with each other better. It's not a seamless fit, but like talent wins out at the end of the day. And Brooke is just like better than Pat. And, you know, they, they just go with that whenever they can. They they went away from it by the end of Phoenix. But I, I would I would think he or he or Pat probably. And I think 60-40 Brooke. What do you think, Rohan? Uh, it's just, I feel like it depends a lot on how the game really goes. If the... If the Nets are really, really killing the Bucks in terms of like abusing like a drop scheme, which uh, you know you kind of have to go to a lot of the times with Brook Lopez, though we've seen him do switching here and there in the preseason, and uh, it's it's had mixed results. Uh, we'll say that. 
It's uh, it tends to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's it keeps just, happening. It's the, yeah, it, it's the Bucks what, keep throwing it out there, and it's like it's what I just don't know if this going to happen. I'm kind of it's a just what happens with the Brook Lopez. Deceptively uh, long. Deceptively long. Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, it's just. It, I think it really has to. It depends on how the game's going. If if the Nets are attacking him, he's not going to be out there. If the Nets aren't abusing him, he's going to be out there. Yeah, that's just how it is. You want to default, so I'll say they default to Brook out there to close games. But if he's proving that it's like he's a detriment, then he's not going yeah. to be out there. Yeah. They have other options to go to. Well, the Nets are switching Lamarcus, so it's like Ooh. anything is possible right now. <laughs> it's been, it's I, been I interesting. If if Lamarcus and Brook are playing together, I wonder if they're just going to make a gentleman's agreement, like. Hey, no matter what happens, let's just always end up on each other. Yeah, like, yeah. We can try to post each other up, but like we'll just we'll kind of switch we'll, out. Yeah, to each yeah other. We'll, we'll fade to the side every play and be like, let's just come on, man. It's it's what month We're is it? It's October. Old. It's October. We don't need to do all this stuff. We'll save that for the playoffs. That's what yeah. I would do if I was. I'd, 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 I said, Lamarcus, come here. I got an idea. <laughs> I have, a, a, I have a quick hitter for you. Yep. Are you in on Ken Thomas, like everyone on Nets Twitter that I see? I like him in a really specific role this year. Yeah. I want him next to Harden. I do not want Cam Thomas making decisions for, for the offense. Cam Thomas <laughs> took one of I, – I was like cackling when he took the shot. They had a, a three-on-two <laughs> trans, uh, oh, like no. transition possession. And it swings to him. They've got 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Instead of like either resetting or driving into the teeth of the defense, he takes like a sidestep and he gets like, I mean, he covers and again, credit to him. He gets so much ground when he goes moves laterally. It's like, it's just, I mean, it's a huge part of his game is that he can cover so much ground on the sidestep, but he takes a sidestep three in transition. There's like, it's a three on two. He's like falling over while taking the shot. It goes like off the front rim. And I'm like, that is where, that's where we need to reel it in a little bit. Yeah. So I love Cam Thomas in terms of like, I think he's super entertaining. There is a lot of like real scoring chops there. Um, in the same way, kind of with Jordan yeah. Nawara, where it's like you do feel like you need to reel it in here and there. But like if you put him in the right spots, I think it looks really good. So next to Harden, that's a guy they're going to run a pick and roll defense converges, especially if it's somebody like Nick Claxton, you have your help defender coming over. And then maybe the guy that's covering Cam Thomas at the opposite wing has to bump down to the corner you know, Harden manipulates that pass because it kicks it back up to the the wing with Cam Thomas. That's where I like him because he's just making decisions from there. He's saying, great, I'm going to go up with this shot or great, I'm going to beat my one defender trying to sprint back over to me and either draw contact or go to the rim. Like I just, that's where he has a lot of equity because he can, he can create his own shot. Like it's a legitimate skill that really, really matters and matters in big games and will matter until he who shall not be named, maybe, maybe not returns <laughs> yeah. to basketball. We don't know. So yeah. I think they need that. Like I, I mentioned the ball handling and like, that's something that needs to be solved, but the, the, also the isolation scoring matters too, because they don't have a ton of that either, which is weird to say with a team with Kevin Durant and, and it's and, like the same you know. problem the Warriors had realistically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When Barbosa got old and they just like, didn't have that, that other guy anymore. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like, I think he has a spot, but um, it's all about what, what he can do in the opportunities he's given and what lineups he's used in really. Like, it's like, you're kind of, he is kind of what the nets make of him. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think Wara with the starters actually didn't look great in the, in his one preseason start when Giannis was actually playing. And I think it's a little bit of like, you know, when he's playing in summer league or with, with, the Nigerian team, which did not have any shot creation or point guards, the one thing they really didn't have, or even in some of these preseason games when no one else played, like it was like, okay, Jordan Warrell, like just go score. There's no one else on the team that can score. It took him a little bit to adjust to structure. So it might even be good for, for Cam Thomas to come in if he's playing a little bit more with some of these other guys and just learning to play off of guys, which would seem like it's just very easy, but I do think it's an adjustment for some of these if they come in as, you know, the top dog leading scorer on yeah. the team, it's kind of hard to be like, okay, how do I be the third, fourth option on the floor? But I do think it's a great start. Like put him in advantage situations and just let him cook. That's a good way to ease him in. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. They just, I was kind of looking because I wanted to ask about a young guy. We got to talk about Wara a little bit. And obviously, of course, the Nets, even more than the Bucs, are going to be a team that kind of builds year by year to some extent and fills out the the rotation. But like, if they could keep Javon Carter long term, that's an interesting one. And then really, it's like pretty much Cam Thomas and not not a whole. I guess Bembry, if if Bembry, you know, acquits himself well, he's not the oldest guy. But um, it's always interesting to look at like what are the young guys? Who are the young guys who are going to stick around for more than a couple of years? Yeah, is Bruce teams. Brown gonna stick around? Yeah, no. that was gonna be my next no. question. I didn't because he signed his qualifying offer, right? That's a that's a bold move. I've I've gone. I I did a column today, and uh, I I my I had to make two bold predictions. I had a that Javon Carter will be a starter by the end of the year, or, or if if you know, yeah, yeah, bold if, yeah. You know, doesn't come back. I think yeah. he could be a starter, and I said at the expense of Bruce Brown, who I think falls pretty far down the rotation. And I think part of that is like, they are a team now, they have a bunch of guys that kind of do what he does or did last year, where it's like, you know, you have to think about, this is the kind of the way I'd frame it is like the Nets last year, they traded away all of their depth. So all of their guys that are like their 10th, 11th men suddenly are bumped up to being like seventh, eighth. I'm not saying Bruce like was it Cause he was actually really good in that role. Like he was, he looked really good. I think he's a, very good player and that that fit really well in the system they were running. But this year, the team is different. They have a bunch of guys that do his role. And it's like, if you're running James Johnson and, or, or, or Deandre Bembry next to Bruce Brown, I just don't think you can survive with those lineups as good as your stars are. Like, I just, I don't think you're optimizing your team in the right way. So in a way it's like, yeah, those guys probably won't play a ton, but even in the lineups where it's like, if he's playing next to somebody like LaMarcus Aldridge or, you know, Nicholas Claxton, those guys are going to take most of your pick and roll reps. You want, you know, LaMarcus setting a screen and fading and you want Nick setting a screen and, and you know, kind of charging to the rim. And that relegates by just by circumstance, it sends Bruce Brown to the corner. So everything that he was so effective with last year, which was really setting screens, getting into the middle of the paint, in that area where bigs are not really sure, do we step up? Do we not? I just, he's not going to have those by the circumstance of not being there. So then it's like, you have to replace your impact with cutting and with offensive rebounding. It's like, and, and I just think there's going to be guys that can do that better on the roster, honestly, like they are bigger. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So it's like, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with him is like, and I could be, that's like, that's one of those predictions where I'm like, 
I'm going to go on record with it and I'm probably really wrong in like a month, <laughs> but like I, that was one of my big takeaways just throughout kind of, I guess not even preseason, but just sort of thinking about the team is like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that guy was really essential last year and I, he was great for what they do. And I think if he plays, he'll be really effective, but this is a different team this year. It's not built for Bruce Brown anymore. It's built to, you know, be an actual functional large basketball <laughs> team. Now, <laughs> you, you can't just go through. I mean, and that's kind of the thing you can't, I, I don't know if you can survive four rounds of the playoffs with a team that's that small and that kind of like, we're just going to score a bunch and just hope for the best, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, certainly, especially knowing, and I think this goes back to the earlier point about these teams building for each other, knowing that, you know, the Bucks won last time for a lot of reasons, but one of them was like, they're going to just demolish us on the boards. Yep. And so if we, if we score 30% more points, they're taking 40% more shots and we lose. And that's just, that's, I don't think that math actually holds up, but whatever the math is, that that was what happened. And I think what I'm a little worried about for Bruce Brown's sake, though, is like, I don't know how many teams where he could join and look as good as he did last year on the Nets. Like, I do think he's kind of one of those players that needs to just be around some other really skilled offensive players. So The Hawks, there's a good one. Yes, that's what I was thinking. But they have a million guys. True, they do they have too many players. That's they do have they're too gonna, many guys. They're gonna cons- they're gonna consolidate it though. That's a prediction. They're gonna have to have to oh, like five that. for one and get Giannis for their whole starting lineup or something. If they're gonna, I don't know, I don't know, but um, I don't know if they offered him a deal. But I, I think like Bruce Brown, I, I think just Brooklyn was a good fit. Although if he's gonna potentially lose his spot, as you say, maybe it wasn't, and it was the right thing for him. But I just thought that was in- you just don't see the qualifying offer signed all that often. I mean, it's like. Zion is pre-threatening it or whatever. I don't think he's going to do it. Um, but it, it was it just interested me. So I'm glad you asked Rohan about that. Yeah. Um, here's, a, here's a quick hitter for both of you. We've, we've been talking a lot about uh, this season, but like we've talked about this game as well, obviously, that's going to be kicking off the NBA season. Uh, this is a staple of mine. Give me a score prediction. Oh, he Ooh. loves the score predictions. Score predictions make me so, especially an opener. I'm trying to remember you. Yeah. Oh boy, I think that that's like one by like thirty last year. What? What? Uh, I, I. How does basketball work? How, how high do these teams get? It's been well, a while. These two teams, they can get pretty high or, or pretty very low. low. Yeah. yeah. I think um, I'll just go for. I, I. I never put Matt's gonna think about it and like really endeavor to be. I. I don't. I just throw out numbers. Ty's just fed up. With I just. Myself. I just. Yeah. I just play Kate Rohan. I'm gonna say. I'm going to say 117 to 114 bucks, of course. I'm not super high because I think that's the bucks path to winning is it not being crazy high. But I think the way the team is built right now, it's got to be kind of high because the bucks, I think in the same way the Knicks kind of did, shifted toward offense a little bit. Um, I think for different reasons. I think the Knicks are yep. like, I don't know if teams are going to shoot 30% against us from three forever. I think the bucks were like, <laughs> Four of our starters are really great on defense. So let's, and our offense got gummed up all playoffs. So maybe we can lean toward that and find a better balance. So I, I think the Bucks offense should be better. Although again, they're missing guys, but 117, 114. That's pretty good. And also like they have guys where you can't just like gap off them. Like you can't just like help off Grayson Allen, for example, if yeah. if he's sitting like it's uh, I don't know the, that part I like with the Bucks. It um, score prediction. 
because this offseason has just been so dramatic for the last two weeks, I, I don't know how you guys are. Like, maybe you, you enjoy drama. I guess you're not, maybe not, but I can't stand it. Like, I honestly, it, I, it's so funny, like, being a, a media member or whatever. People are like, oh, he must love this. He must love all the Kyrie <laughs> drama. It's so many stories he can write. It's like, no. I hate this just as much as the rest of you. Like, I just want to write about film and and talk about stats like i don't want to have to do a kyrie irving emergency whatever podcast or or whatever i'm doing every single six hours so because <laughs> it's been so dramatic and ridiculous i feel like the nets are gonna lose by like 20 and we're gonna have to do this big <laughs> existential like oh the locker room's <laughs> off and oh it's because of this preseason it's gonna turn all like think tanky and it's just i i'm just expecting that so i because it's just, I can't have a moment of peace <laughs> from this damn Nets team. I think they lose by like 15, maybe. Yeah, I'll say 15. I'll go as far as 20. Uh, but I, I think it'll be 15 and there will be videos going around. Oh, is the chemistry off? Blah, blah, blah. It just feels like that's going to happen. Uh, I, I like it. I like Roland, it. I what's, think What's yours? I think this is going to be close. Like I said, this is a both these teams are prime for a few seasons. It's just I I think they're they're really going to go at it in this game. Both of them have like whether they want to admit it or not, they have like things to prove against each other. These are just the titans of the NBA, and like the Bucks are going to be fueled for getting their rings. The Nets are going to be fueled by seeing the Bucks get their rings. It's like especially like Harden. Harden's never Harden's never won a title. Like he's gonna he's gonna be pissed about this. He's gonna want it. And like credit to him, he's a competitor. I think this is I think this is an OT game. Oh, honestly. No. Oh wow. I don't know if I have it in me. Dude, I don't oh, know. I if don't, my, I don't my... have it in me, but I think it might happen. I've readjusted though. my sleep schedule. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm I don't know if I'm ready for that, man. I'm I'm sleepy right now. Let's go <laughs> what if I can do an OT game. <laughs> let's go 128-126 in oh OT God. Milwaukee. You're trying to Jeez. you're trying to dust me the first game of the year. I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not ready for it. I think if the Nets get blown out, like you said, Matt, I'm gonna personally call in the first take and allege that if Kevin Durant was a true leader, he would have gotten New York law changed and and then they could have won the game. So that's that's my plan for the next morning if that happens. But do you have any do you have any quick fire bucks questions? Because I feel like we've been pelting you with Nets questions. Do you wanna do you wanna shoot off any uh, of your own? I don't, I don't, I, I don't think so. I mean, it's a, it's a regular season game, but like, I guess my main thing would be adjust. Like, I don't, this is such, this is a very long winded question. This is, this is going to get long responses from us as we're trying to do the uh, predictions and tail this thing <laughs> off. Uh, do we, do we think either team's going to make adjustments or anything like that for this specific game or not really? Are there even any? I think a little, I, I don't know. I just think, I'd be more interested almost in seeing if the Nets, like how much the Nets want to show. Cause I think the Bucks, just like they're, they really are changing. It seems like their offense, they're kind of going to overhaul it a little bit. They're actually going to run mm. more and integrating Grayson and everything. Um, and since they're without so many rotation guys, like I don't know how many pivots they have in them. Like I think they yeah. might just be trying stuff for a lot of it. I think the most interesting, interesting part to watch in terms of that will really be. I think they're going to switch all along. It'll be like, are they switching Brooke all along or not? Cause they've been switching a lot, even in the preseason and when like their default was always dropped. So to see them seem to default toggle more to switching was interesting. And just seeing like, how much does Brooke play? What does Brooke do? Cause I think that's, 
that's one of their biggest like questions in any given matchup. So right. like if, if Brooke doesn't, if Brooke is healthy and doesn't play like a good amount of minutes, I think that'd be an interesting thing for me to, to look at and go, wow, even without their forward depth, they're still going smaller. Yeah. I feel like they figured it out though with Brooke, like play him at the level. Don't play him. Yeah. Like don't, don't obviously don't like hard hedge him or anything like that, but like, Play him at the level. I I feel like that was kind of what I they needed so to do. Like I don't I don't I don't know. I wouldn't change away from it. My like the thing for me. Sorry to cut you off, but uh, I I just the only thing I'm watching for is if the Nets go like double big or anything like that. Dude, weird lineups there. Are we gonna see like a Claxton Lamarcus lineup? Are we gonna see anything like that? That's pretty much all I'm, I'm watching for in this game. Is like, do they try to size up in a way, or are they just going to sort of roll out regular rotations? Do you think would they go the opposite? Do they ever do like Bruce Brown, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, Harden, and KD, and really like put KD at the five? I mean, this might really not be the team for that. Like that's really that's very boomer bust against the Bucks, right? Like if maybe you stretch them out and it goes really well, but Milwaukee's rebounding would just be stupid against that group. Yeah, and I also don't. I don't, I don't know if I see the upside as much this year. Yeah. Like, cause it like, cause then the bucks can just go like, all right, we're going to put our Grayson Allen, George Hill lineup in and try to go like, yeah, we're going to try to put our own shooter lineup in here. Yeah. And it's like, I don't, I don't know if you're winning that game as much. I think you kind of, I mean, maybe that is just a game of counters. You're going to go switch back and forth between those things. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to like try to do that necessarily. Yeah, and especially with the Bucks, we see we don't see a, a ton of like in-game chess matches. We see a lot of game-to-game chess matches yeah. like we saw in the postseason. So I think the extent of what we see in this game from the Bucks perspective is just getting at what Ty was talking about is like how how they manage like Brooke Lopez or like any other player who's struggling in whatever scheme they decide to decide to run out there, whether it's they just default to switching now or they just like drop or like you said, Matt, they can't hard hedge with Brooke. But if you're hard edging, uh, like, oh, wait, they won't even have Bobby or Shemmy. So, yeah, if you, basically, if you're switching or dropping. <laughs> right. So that's that's the only in-game adjustment I can really see happening. It's also regular season. Like, I don't know if they're going to do that. If, if they are doing, like, crazy in-game adjustments, I'm like, oh, these teams, like, really care. Like, they yeah, really like, <laughs> like they, they Both of these teams wake up for massive games, and this is a massive game. Yeah. I, I, totally, I mean, the games in the regular season last year were amazing. Yeah. Like amazing. And I was even, I was looking through film. This, this is what I did in the off season. So much for taking time off. I was looking through <laughs> footage of the regular season games to put something together for something I was doing. But uh, yeah, like they just, they played hard. There were like in-game chess matches. Um, we had the, like the KD getting guarded by Giannis in the regular season. That was pretty oh, yeah. fun, yeah. which we just weren't expecting. So I'm like, I'm kind of prepared for anything. I'm expected for some like, weirdness because we got that a little bit last year yeah the big question will be like what bucks player now will kd's bodyguard go after now that pj's gone who's <laughs> gonna take that mantle um but i think was it they played they played kind of like i think they had four games total against the nets in philly the bucks did like later last year and if, did they split the nets games and win both sixers games was that it i didn't think they beat the nets and I might be remembering the sequence wrong, but I do remember after a very up and down year for the Bucks, 
that stretch of games was when I was like, oh, they could win the title. Like they can, they can really hang with these teams. Back when even I took Philly seriously for a moment, which is always a mistake. That's an unserious franchise. That's a funny joke. That's yeah, that was silly <laughs> of me. But um, to see the Nets, like just seeing the Bucks hang with the Nets a little bit with I, I don't know, I don't remember how many of the guys Brooklyn had, but you just felt like they could do it. Like even though I think Brooklyn is favored for a reason, all the star power and firepower. Like you just like they can hang around. They can really like make it a game. And I think that I, I do hope it's a close game as much as a blowout would be calming on ring night. Like um, I, I enjoy for watching for me, <laughs> not for oh, me. Sorry, sorry. I'll, uh, it'll be I'll, I'll toil away. You're a journalist. It's, it's, you love you love this. This I love the drama. Look, this is what I live for. I'd sit in my little dark cave and I'm like, oh, I hope they lose. Oh, I hope I hope Kyrie Irving shows up into the arena uninvited and IG live. IG live. He goes on IG live. IG yeah. live in the stands. <laughs> he takes the mic from Giannis and does a big. I'm, I'm going to quit this joke. I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but he t- he does a big spiel about his uh his views or pulls, something. He pulls a Kanye. Yeah, like, yeah I'll like, let you finish. But... <laughs> but Kanye had a much more coherent, like sensible point in that rant than. <laughs> the last thing I'll say. I know we said we wouldn't talk about it. Oh, by the I'm way, Ty, the Bucks won all four of those games. They did okay, so they won all four. So yeah, yeah it I was, was like, I was thinking that I, I remember the Nets losing. Those. You know what it was? I think the Nets. I don't think the Nets played guys. One of them might have been the thing. I don't. Th- I don't think they. Played Harden was out. No Harden. Harden was out. I thought. I think one of them. They were pretty healthy. I thought one of them. The Nets did. No, I, Harden was out for both of them. Okay. Nick Claxton played five minutes the second game. Why I know that, I don't know. That's how my brain works. <laughs> um, but no, that that's that run of games. Like just seeing like the the Bucks hang with the nets like that was so encouraging even without harden yeah unfortunately be foreshadowing yeah big time foreshadowing (laughs) but no i think uh i'm excited now i'm like excited again i'm kind of pissed that we're recording this monday night so i'm i'm ready to just segue right into the game like it it is it's later at night i'm a little tired but this is how you're tired yeah it's an hour later for you that's true but uh, this is how I get. Like, I, that's why I try not to think about previews too much because I'm just like, I want it. Now I want the game. But yeah. I think I can wait in the 20 hours or whatever. Yeah, I'm stoked. Just getting into the year will be nice. Like, the buildup of it has just been – like, it is – I don't know, man. It's funny how much, like, an offseason, like, this is going to sound ridiculous, but, like, it really does make it seem like a long time. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is, like – this is like a long time without basketball. I kind of forgot how this works. Like I'm actually like want to watch the sport again. This is great. Like this is <laughs> this is cool, man. <laughs> yeah, I think even the shortened one was needed after the insane bubble run and then season. It was just it was too much. Yeah, so I'm excited to get back. Well, uh, do we have anything else? Any other things we want to hit on? I mean, I think we talked. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think we're all good here. We're both. All of us are looking forward to this yeah. matchup. We're looking forward to this season. It's going to be a great season. Uh, yeah, this was this was awesome. This was a fantastic conversation. Cool. Well, Should thank we, you. Let's let's do plugs. So, Matt, you can go ahead and go for it. Can people find you the podcast? If you're listening on the Eurostep feed, give them all the spoon feed them the instructions. So open up your phone, uh, type your <laughs> passcode. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so my podcast is the Clear Out Podcast. Um, it's through Blue Wire Podcast. So that's that's exciting. New venture for me. Excited about that. Um, and it's available on all podcast streaming platforms, Nets podcasts. I have a bunch of different people on variety of Nets guests, uh, guests, obviously that are covering other teams. Uh, there's a lot planned. I'm going to do a lot with this thing. I'm, I'm like, just kind of getting my feet set with this. Um, you know, I feel like Giannis right now, I'm, I'm shooting on the <laughs> way up. So it's like, 
I'm kind of figuring out, I'm like, oh, this is pretty fun. I get to just have whoever on. This is great. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's kind of that's where you can find me. And then you can find me on Twitter, Matt Brooks MBA. I do a lot of video breakdown stuff. Um, I can write sentences. That's something I can do as well. Uh, sometimes it's more difficult than you think. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what day it is, but some days I do that. Uh, but yeah, so you can find it all there. Uh, and if you are listening to this on the Clear Up feed and you want to hear about all of the fun Eurostep uh, goodness, uh, you know, follow the Eurostep podcast network on your podcast platform. I'm sure. So make sure you're subscribed to both feeds. Like, come on. Five stars. Five stars. Five on star Apple review. It's got to be me a rating. Apple. If it's yeah. less than five. No, no not it. just a rating. Got to be five stars. Star. You got to be five stars. You can hate the show and people do this. Give it five stars and write about how much yeah. you dislike it. We'll work on yeah. that. But if it's not five stars, it's not. It's nothing. It's we, not, we take it's it as an unserious review. Yeah, it's, it's the Philadelphia 76ers to podcast reviews. Nobody <laughs> wants to be that. Sorry, Rohan. Continue. My bad. No, you're, you're all good. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at R-K-A-T-T-I-J-R. You can follow Ty on Twitter at T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H on Twitter. Follow Eurostep Podcast on Twitter at Eurostep Podcast, G-Y-R-O. Uh, yeah, check out all of our stuff. Make sure you subscribe again to both feeds. Uh, this was a fantastic conversation. I'm glad we could do this. Thank you guys for joining me. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.